and welcome to the Second Row Podcast. My name is Park Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Ushin Collins. Hello, everybody, and apologies for the slight delay this week. You can blame Electric Picnic and people having weddings that clash with Pro 14 Rugby. Like, do you not know September is sacred? Very sacred. Start of the season, and neither of us there to watch it live. <laughs> but literally, thanks to all the recording facilities and online watching back on TG Car. We have spent the entire day doing our homework, and we are ready to recap the first round of games in the Pro 14 for the 2018-19 season with you. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the news from the rugby world this week. Yeah, and a little bit quiet because the season's only getting started, but a couple of good bits of news from the women's game. Um, the Ireland women's team in the Sevens won bronze in the in the European series, which is a great result. Yeah, like last season, the Sevens circuit was about stabilising, and now it's like all about time to push on and really go for like more medals and more championships. Absolutely, and I'm waiting to read the, the report on the women's game that comes out, but hopefully that focus can be shared with focus on the 15s game, because I don't want to see any more of these situations where we're having to trade players between in the middle of the Six Nations. Like There needs to be a consistent and a coherent approach to the game in the country. Yeah, and from talking to some of the players that I know, they want the exact same thing. They want the 15s team to be a 15s team and the 7th team to be a 7th team. Seems to work okay for the men's game. Exactly. Also in the women's game, Interpros are up. And a couple of results from the first round. Yeah, Connacht were down in Munster and they lost 24-7. to 7. Oh, um, You must feel... Oh, I know. Would you go away? <laughs> uh, it's a good result. And I mean, I think that was probably expected given the strength of the team and the involvement some of those um, some of those players have had in the national setup for the last while. But still a good result. Yeah, and like Munster would have been smarter from losing last year up in the sports ground. So, you know... Revenge, revenge is the dish best served gold. Exactly. But, you know, Connacht have two home matches back-to-back now. Yeah, and they've got a competitive Leinster team coming at them who beat Ulster 17 points to 10. Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting anything else. That Leinster team is strong and full of internationals. Yeah. Um, the other bit of international news is actually about broadcasters. So, off the back of an announcement in the middle of last week that ESPN would be carrying Pro 14 Rugby to the US, there's a host of other broadcasters that have been announced. So, Sky in New Zealand... Uh, DAZN, who are broadcasting to Germany, Austria, Switzerland and Canada, really. Um, and Rugby Pass, which brings the Pro 14 games to Australia and Southeast Asia. That's huge in terms of the publicity. The Pro 14 is an international competition and to actually get global recognition of that fact is huge. And you know what? I think the more teams come into it, you've seen the South African provinces, we've seen the growth of the game across Europe in countries like Germany and brilliant that they can now get that coverage of the game. You know, live, and I think some of it is even on ESPN's like main showcase channel, so people will actually watch it. That's brilliant. They would have been very happy with a rugby on show this weekend. What a try fest! Oh, incredible! Like absolutely incredible! And you know, the first game of the weekend, the main match, Cardiff hosted Leinster. Like it was nearly the opposite of the round, but well, like okay, two... I, I take no responsibility for jinxing this Leinster team. <laughs> like they should have had more than enough to win this. I have to say it was so funny on the WhatsApp group we we're both in. The amount of people are ready to throw you into the River Liffey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, they got the win in the end. It was squeaky bum time. A lot less comfortable than they'd like. And what's funny, I was looking back at this. Leinster were only ahead for six minutes. It just happened that it was four in the middle and two at the end. Then they're the only two that matter. Yeah. You know, when the when the clock turns 80, all that matters of all the stats is that scoreboard. 33-32. Two try bonus points scored. Unbelievable. And to be fair to Cardiff, that's a great point because they were really good here. Like They identified that weakness in the Leinster back line, a couple of new players coming in, a bit of a makeshift look to it, and they just ran through them at will. 
there was two tries each, like two for Lilo, the outside centre, well, he plays 12, 13, whatever he does on the day, yeah. and the winger, Harry's. Like, I heard an interview with the Cardiff coach. They, like, they recognise that Tamani defends really near to the 10. Mm-hmm. So they saw the holds and just yeah. exploited them. There was going to be space out wide, and they did that. And you have to argue that their backline, Leinster's backline, that is, was outplayed by Cardiff. Across the match, the big difference was the pack and the subs. Yeah, I mean, Leinster went back to that old reliable of their pack who are so strong. And the forwards gave them that platform, like a driving mall and two pick-and-go tries. One really bit of clever work from Gibson Park, actually. That really sold a dummy, gave him the receipt and gift-wrapped it. Yeah, but the problem is, like, how dare any back, any defensive player let a scrum half do a box kick <laughs> to underneath the goalposts? I was watching the Munster game when James Hart came on and laughing, being like, oh, he's going to box kick it before I had seen the Leinster highlights. Um, yeah, madness. But, but to be fair, James Hart does kick a lot of up and unders. He does, luckily. We'll come to that later, but he wasn't on the pitch all that long. <laughs> um, so, look, strengths. Like you said, the Leinster bench really, really upped the ante. I think it just woke them up. It really did. And Porter especially. like You could see there was an international player came on and just gave that bit of stability. You can tell he's been training in international camps. Yeah, He was just... I wouldn't say the player that made the difference, but himself and the Burns mm. did. Let's, let's put it this way. A substitute has made the team the week on the Guinness Pro 14 fancy. Yeah, that says it, a that's lot. That's impact. And to be fair, for all of the giving out about it being a Leinster B team, you've still got internationals all through the forwards and backs, and they beat what is pretty much a full-strength Cardiff team. Yeah, the player management po- policy is working. These players will be internationals in the future, mm-hmm. and they're beating internationals now. Well, this is it. And I have to say, we talked about this towards the end of last season. I love that 10, 12, 13 axis for Cardiff. I just think they play so well together. Yeah, like Lilo is such a dangerous player. Like yeah. he slots in across the centres. He moved, he changed jerseys. He had a hollow move around a he lot. He changed yeah. jerseys at half time. Did he? They literally changed jerseys at half time. <laughs> like, Brilliant. this is how interchangeable they are. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible and it's great to watch. Yeah, and Jared Evans plays so flat to the line that he can unlock that potential. And he was the Pro 14 10 of the round. There you go. Um, but still, there was a little bit left on the field. Like, Cardiff could have been out of sight if they had just stuck that final pass a couple of times or not dropped the ball at the last oh, minute. The first half, they had so many opportunities to score. It's If I was a coach of that team, I would have been pulling my hair out because they should have been up 40, 50 points by halftime, easily. Yeah. And particularly given that they knew how strong Leinster's bench was, Cardiff don't have that same type of depth. And their pack got bullied in the second half. They needed to run up a lead. They really did. And like Nick Williams, like I said in our previews, he is a key player for that pack. And he is a 35-minute player. Mm. 30 minutes of the first half and five in the second. Because he, he <laughs> dips severely after those periods. Do you mean a 45-minute player? No, no, no. It's 35. <laughs> like he, he started giving away penalties for the final 10 minutes of the uh, first yeah. half. And he started giving away penalties. For the after he has an orange, he's grand. You get five more minutes out exactly. of him. Exactly. Okay. Um, probably the only other thing that Leinster will be looking for and I think it's just time to gel in that back line so get a few more games under their belt and um, good opportunity to run that out next week in a simple low key game oh yes yeah, like a small rivalry there yeah. coming up but you know that back line doesn't have Robbie Henshaw and doesn't have Gary Ringrose you know that's not going to be their big game centre partnership no no it's not and nor is it going to be their big game wingers you're going to have the likes of James Lowe coming in there so yeah 
But you know what? It was certainly a good way to start the weekend. And at the same time as that was happening, um, there was what is classically described as a game for the purists <laughs> going on in the Liberty Stadium. Like, I don't actually... Like, purists actually like good rugby, and there wasn't a lot on show. All right, it was pretty poor quality, but it did have the feel of a season opener. You know, lots of handing errors, some shabby attacking play. But, you know, two defences really going at it. Yeah, and I think defence was absolutely the purpose here. 30 minutes until the first score of any kind. Like, I'm a purist, but that's awful. (laughs) I like forwards, but come on, lads, seriously. And then an hour, just under an hour before we saw a try. Like, three all at half time. Anybody who'd wandered into the Liberty Stadium thinking it was a soccer match may not have been surprised if they just saw the scoreboards. They were just thinking unfamiliar teams. Jesus, that's bad. It wasn't fun. Um, but you know what Sam Davies came in he hadn't been picked to start came in just before half time because of an injury and he looked pretty assured at 10 which is really good news for Ospreys fans but that's why we picked him as our one to watch for you know for Ospreys you know he is the person that's going to bring that team on given the time yeah and, and they did kick on there is just those little elements of class um, that the Ospreys were able to hit the ground running and I think talking to it in the sense of strengths Scott Williams and George North look like they've been in that Ospreys team forever so are the Ospreys Galacticos back the Ospreys Galacticos might be back. I mean, there's slightly less hairspray going around than the Gavin Hansen days. But um, there's some cool players coming out there. And to be fair to Edinburgh, they weren't poor either. Like They, they didn't have the clinical edge to finish off. But they do have a couple of interesting prospects. One of whom, Simon Hickey, is a new Kiwi who's joined them from Bordeaux this summer. Um, we hadn't picked it up in the preview. He wasn't somebody I knew particularly well, but he looked really assured. Did a bit of reading. He actually played when Ian Madigan was over in Bordeaux, and he was a contemporary of Tyler Blayendahl's in the under twenty setup in New Zealand. So, like a really quality player. Absolutely, and I think that's something that Edinburgh will need at ten in order to run that team. Jakob Vandervalt was pretty good for them last season, but there's still potential to come. And and their back row weren't bad either. Yeah, like Bill Massa carried a ton of dirty ball and Hamish Watson, really effective game, carried well, hit defenders and made his tackles. Like It was so good, like it was brilliant. We're talking about Edinburgh players here, you know, but they didn't have enough to win it. No, and they did have a chance, but the Ospreys just had enough grit to hold them out at the end. And that's probably because, and from both sides to be fair, the attacking patterns were pretty basic. Like it was a lot of one-out runners occasionally the ball would get swung wide and if there was space great and if there wasn't okay um you need attacks who are capable of creating those opportunities and edinburgh just let themselves get wrapped up in a mall right out in the osprey's five meter line uh, and that would have won the game for them all they needed to do was was you know get one score and silly stupid stuff this is it and it was funny because the person doing most of the stupid stuff in this game was another new signing ala davies the scrum half for the osprey's he had a nightmare debut. Like, nothing could go right for him. But, like, across both teams, like, handling, appalling. Yeah. Nothing working. Absolutely. Basic errors, start of the season. Like, you would know, looking at that Ospreys team, that they haven't played a game in preseason. Yeah. Well, look, we'll move on. It's out of their system now. Yeah. And there was one more game on that Friday night. Yay. Your, your two favourite teams in Yay. the league. Zebra beat Southern Kings 32-16. to 16. Which is what we would have expected. Actually, the bookies expected an 18-point spread. And they didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, this must be weird because I imagine half of Zebra have had nosebleeds all week. They're joint top of the league. Not the conference, the league. Yep. It's incredible. Bonus it, point win. And that's what they needed. They had to win this match. 
and they had to win it well yeah. for themselves. Like there's a like individual pride was at stake here. Yeah, and I mean there was a couple of good individuals there, like Carlo Canna um, pulled back twelve points, which is a decent return for your ten. Some nice kicks he put over. Well, Canna has been one of the players of the league. Like he understated, like one of those players that just goes about his business really well. But it's mad that we're talking about the Italians who haven't had a fly half in years, and now there's Carlo Canna at Zebre. And at Benetton, you've got Ian McKinley and Tommaso Allen. If they can bring some of that form to an international level, like Italy have more of a chance. I wouldn't say they have a chance. No. They have more of a chance. Yeah. And look, it wasn't like the Kings weren't bringing anything. What actually impressed me, their work at the Rook was really good. So they retained pretty much all of their own ball and managed to nick a few turnovers as well. Key. Like, you know, that's no good if you're not putting points on the board. Yeah, they they weren't clinical, and I mean, we talk about that, and th- their tackling as well was really, really problematic. Like the Kings have like a seventy six percent tackle completion rate, which means you're missing one in four tackles. That's just terrible. It's just not good enough. And discipline, like whatever chance they have, fifteen v fifteen, conceding two yellow cards in the second half is just asking to get beaten. But look, Zebra were clinical. They took their tries. They got the bonus point win. You know, mm-hmm. but even themselves, an eighty five percent tackle rate. It can do better. better. Probably better, better than some, sometimes I've better, seen them. <laughs> better teams will cru- crucify them. Yeah, and I think mean, we'll see that as the season goes on. We'll see it next week, baby. All right. Speaking of your beloved Connacht, uh, yes, one of us was right about what was going to happen in the sports ground. In all fairness, I was very nearly right myself. <laughs> well, would you rather be nearly drowned or nearly saved? For me, anyway, I, I imagine you were watching it through, like, through your hands. But this was really entertaining. Um disappointing it, for Connacht though. it was an entertaining first half <laughs> <laughs> it was still for the neutral like the, yeah it was a little bit quiet in the second half but I mean god they just went for it in the first half it both was, teams really just did go for it super rugby halftime score oh definitely and the problem is Connacht defended so poorly like so poorly it's yeah. actually hard to describe how bad it was. Well, it was a combination of poor defending, but a real lack of composure. Like, there was some wild decision-making being taken. Keelan Blade needs to be, like, just taken aside and gone. Ah. You don't always have to tap and go. Yeah, he needs to meditate. The big killer is you can't go 37-plus minutes in a match without scoring. Well, it's mad as well, because Connacht were in a position to win this game. Like, I kind of flicked on and, and saw the highlights, but I watched the last 20 minutes back. You're nine points up on the hour mark. Yeah, like there was a few breaks. All right, here's a scenario. I'll unpack it. I know. Here's just one scenario. Kelleher breaks down the line, does a 40 meter break, mm. gets the ball off, and then we break another 20, 10 meters, 20 meters into 22. Glasgow are reeling defensively. We should be scoring a try when you have two clean breaks like that. Like, there's no excuse for not scoring. But that's it. We don't. We don't <laughs> get a penalty. We kind of. Lost composure and just lost ideas. But at that point, that's the easy bit. Yeah, You've done the hard work. But let alone the not scoring those opportunities. To concede the try that you did on 64-65 when Glasgow were down a man. And then to let Hogg get in position to, to ping over a drop goal. And like, I know there was a penalty advantage. But letting him have the position to ping over a drop goal. like That was a 10-point swing in the space of what? Five, ten minutes? Such poor management. But Hogg's boot was incredible to get to five metres out. It was some kick. But funny... Like the Edinburgh, Connacht had a chance to win this. Two, two chances to end to win it. First one was 
the drop goal that went short, which I don't think should have been taken because we were going backwards. But Hogg then brings it back over the try line. I thought he did. It looked like he carried it back. No, he definitely back. does. He carries it back. And we should have got a five-meter scrum, which would have been an easier drop goal yeah, attempt. Yeah, for sure. And then the penalty that hits the post. So agonizing. Yeah. But look, that was, you know, you can't blame Rollinson for not winning that match. You know, he did. No. He made a decision. And you know what? You can only pat him on the back for doing it. You yeah, know. and equally, you turn around. These guys were the conference leaders last year. I don't, I don't think this is a game Connacht were expected to win, no. regardless of home first fixture. Um, and there were some good performances in there. Like Jack Carty was really good. Oh, like incredible! The, the chip for Kelleher's try is just magic. Kelleher had so much time to collect it. He did, which is incredible. It was just so well located. And I think Glasgow just weren't quite switched on, which made that difference. But when they did, you had players like Carty and your back row smashing lads in defence. Like yeah. The physicality of Connacht's defence across the middle of the field was outstanding. Yeah, Farrell to me would have been man of the match if Connacht had won. Mm-hmm. He just had one of those performances. Always, always getting his arms free for offloads. Always busting fellas and tackles. It was a really good, good, solid performance. And the funny thing is, it could have been enough, but Glasgow do have that quality. Like, if you'd offered them a five-point away win, they would have bit your hand off. But champion teams do find a way to win when they don't look like they're going to. And they did that today. Oh, they did. You know, like, I just think the the difference was experience. You know, we the our back row played really well, mm-hmm. but there's only one guarantee starter, really, amongst the three. Well, and then you take the fact that it's your backup nine coming into it as well. And if you've got a more settled kind of back row and scrum half, that's going to make a huge difference. I actually think Marmion on the pitch, we would have won that match. I just think some of the tapping goals wouldn't have been taken. A bit more of a settled head at some of the, the malls, you know, just that bit more experience. But, you know, our mall was poor. And the scrum was a bit more of a lottery than usual. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out some of the calls, but I couldn't. Yeah. You know, but that's something they have to work on. Yeah, and I think for Glasgow, they were lacking a bit of physicality. Like, they let themselves get bullied. So, it's lucky that Connacht's completely missing pillar defences and absent <laughs> tracking out why gave them the gifted tries that they got. Yeah, and like, it was it was just really... Infuriating? Oh, uh, yeah. But, like, so many words came to mind there, and that was the only one that wasn't ha- that didn't involve swear words. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, but that was the early fixture on Saturday, uh, and then we had two back-to-backs with a bit of Irish interest. First up was an absolute belter of a game, Ulster Scarlets, and what a treat. Uh, uh, it doesn't sound it when you compare the scoreline to some of the other games this round, but for me, this was just outstanding rugby. Like Scarlets, straight out of the gate, and Patchell went over for a try inside the first 10 minutes. Yeah, he actually rounded Cooney and got inside Gilroy, so it's not like he beat like a second row and a prop in the line. But that's Patchell all over, though. Like He just has that ability to make backs look like idiots. Yeah, he's he's quick, he's smart, and he's physical. Thankfully, after that, Ulster managed to get their hand on the ball. <laughs> but like, you know... When you have a player like John Cooney on your team, who's actually a very good goal kicker, yeah, he just keeps that scoreboard ticking over. It's a bit of calmness, you know, and he just didn't he he Cooneyed it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Still and steady wins the race. Yeah, it was actually nice because with Ulster's roster of players this season, it looks like they've got some ball carriers and some go forward ball. Um, the likes of Tom O'Toole was was really good. Um, Henderson the same, and. It was nice watching John Cooney play with a pack that is reliably going forward in contact. Yeah, and growing throughout the season, Mm. Ulster can only get better with that type of stuff. Particularly when you look at who's going to come into that squad. 
Scarlet's a little bit unlucky as well. Lost Patchell to a HIA with 30 minutes left to play. And Dan Jones came on in his particularly brainless mode. Patchell and Scarlet go together like ham and cheese, you know? When he's not on the pitch, you, there is a drop. Yeah, they don't play the same way at all. Yeah. I guess from, from a strength perspective, it was actually nice to see because there was a lot of debutante players in this game. Uh, Fanatia looked really well. There was one particular pass around the back with his right hand where he kind of rolled the ball off his fingers. It was magic. Um, Will Addison looked really good at fullback for Ulster. Uh, and Billy Burns I was impressed with at 10. Ulster have a lot of things we have about after that game, but especially Henderson being a boss in the line-out. Yeah. It's so important for him as a player and for Ulster just to be a line-out master. And for his Ireland chances. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to be able to call that line-out, it actually hugely improves his ability to get into that Ireland team. Because it's Devin Toner, and it's a huge advantage that Dev has over Henderson at the moment. Apart from the height. Apart from the height. Um, Patchell as well. He just looks so good, ball in hand. Um, I'm, I'm As a rugby fan, I'm hoping the injury isn't too bad, because I just love watching him play. Yeah, but HIA, he's going to be out for at least a week anyway. I suspect. Like, but, you know, the other side of that, Scarlett's just dropped off in intensity during the middle of the game. Yeah, it still looked flashy, but they just didn't seem to have that killer punch. The intensity levels just went down a tiny bit. And you can tell that they're missing the likes of Barkley and Byrne in the back row. That kind of, like, gritty, don't let the energy drop type of player. Um, James Davies is still good, but he is but one man. Yeah, this was always going to be the, the issue for Scarlett's this season. They lost two of their best players mm. and, you know... And leaders, and that shows in discipline as well. Yeah, the two yellow cards in the last 15 minutes, just for brainless, unnecessary stuff as well. Just sloppy, sloppy yellows. Um, From an Ulster perspective, Henry Spate was okay in the second half, but it was pretty anonymous for the first 40. You know, that's I think that's going to come with new players. For me, the, the biggest worry would have been no tries. Yeah, and, and they probably go hand in hand to a certain degree. I mean, he was he he was creating opportunities, or he was getting put into opportunities, but him and Addison didn't seem to be working as well together. Uh, Craig Gilroy was looking really good. Um, lots of ground made. Look, and speaking of team, speaking of things looking good, Munster had a convincing win v cheetahs they did and uh, i don't know i mean i think the cheetahs must be staying in a haunted house on this trip they an appalling missed penalty and losing your captain to injury inside the first 15 minutes isn't really a roadmap for a success Uh, it also doesn't help when your kicker misses another easy kick 45 minutes into the game um and what can you say about munster don't get me wrong there's still room to improve but when they were on the ball they looked pacey they looked confident, and they looked a lot more clinical than they did last year. But against what, though? Yeah, and that's the stinger, because like with, with an hour gone, it was still only 17-0 up. Um, the Cheetahs had fallen away. They'd given up in the last 20 minutes. Um, there was guys. There was actually guys on the Cheetahs team pulling up with cramp in round one. All right, seriously, if there's anyone from South Africa listening, what type of break did these guys get? Because that ain't right. It's not. If if you've done a preseason, how can you be blowing an hour into your first game? I get travel, all of that stuff, but that's why the Cheetahs came in last year and we knew it was going to be a difficult start. For them to not be physically conditioned in the right way at the start of this season is not good enough. Like, oddly enough, I thought this type of performance would be what we got last season. Yeah. You know, and last season would be this season. They seem to have nearly a bit of momentum from Super Rugby last year. So maybe they're just slow starters. Maybe this is much more typical. You have to go back and check the, the Chia's previous kind of season records. But look, you can only beat what's in front of you. And right now, points difference, try scores, um, match points, Munster are top of the league. 
It's the 3rd of September rushing and you're level with Zebra. Ouch. But look, <laughs> we'll look at the strengths and weakness across that match because I've just left you speeches, which is weird. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> but Oxnotche, like we called in the previews, he's a serious carrying threat. He is. And unfortunately, he looks like a bit of a Nick Williams. He came off after 50 minutes and I wasn't in the least bit surprised because he was the only effective carrier they had, which means he got the ball on every second or every third phase. There's only so much an engine can go for. Props aren't meant to work that hard. No, but he's kind of in that mould of Mata Warira. Um, uh, He's a big physical carrier, and himself and Dave Kilcoyne were having great fun, like, powering into each other. Yeah, but, like, for Munster, the backs looked dangerous. They, They took their opportunities, and they took their gaps. They did. Like, JJ obviously has got... 200,000 tens breathing down his neck and he's playing like it. Um, Rory Scannell threw some un, like just some outrageous passes and, and Darren Sweetnam looks so sharp and so hungry at the moment. He um, he set up the first try and he just, he stutter-stepped a guy and then went back and rolled the ball out the back to, to Rory Scannell. Like this world's most unnecessary pass. He's playing with a kind of freedom that looks, it looks so good. But that's what you want from wingers. Like you want them playing with that type of confidence where they think they can beat the person one-on-one. Mm. And that just makes everyone around them aware to there's always going to be a break. Speaking of a dude who got plenty of breaks, we didn't talk about him in our preview, but Arno Botha looks like a tank of a man. I think Munster are going to be very happy with his acquisition. Yeah, and he's the, this is a guy who failed his medical for Ulster a couple of years ago, and there was a question as to whether he was going to be up to it. Yes. yes is the answer (laughs) in all fairness he's not the only new player Munster had on show no the Prince of Athai ascended to the throne (laughs) Um, Carberry came on he looked good he he, it was funny the commentators were were saying he's a very different player to JJ I was watching it thinking "Eh, not really I mean he's flat to the line likes to run the ball killer pass he, he looked really calm and confident and he was playing well again I'm looking forward to seeing him start a game similar to when you see him for Ireland when he started the game against Australia I think you saw more of how he's set up how they've trained all that week with him at 10 that's what I'm looking forward to um, and who knows you might even see that as early as next week but there's a real battle for that 10 shirt which is nice because you don't want Carberry coming down and being gifted a position he still has to compete for it yeah it's just that he's competing with a realistic chance of getting a first team spot well look we can't really talk about Munster's weaknesses because you know they weren't tested they weren't tested whatsoever but cheetahs they have a few work-ons to say the least (laughs) yeah and I mean just to pick kind of one out I think if they only have in Oxniche one serious carrying threat that's a problem because it's so easy to defend against. Like there's a bit of pace out wide in terms of Maxwane as well. He's he's a really, really quick guy, but they weren't able to get the ball to him in space. Um, and I'd be really worried. I mean, we talked about losing four of their leadership team, and now their captain's gone down with what looked like a bad injury. That's just a killer start to the season. Look, I was I was really impressed with Cheetahs last season, and I'd hate to see them fall off a cliff this year. Absolutely. You want them to be in there competing in those knockouts. Exactly. And let's talk about... And all, and all, Somebody who won't be. <laughs> no. And, all, and in all fairness, one team that we think might be challenging for the knockouts is Benetton. And in a way, win to a resurgent Dragons. Yeah, they just don't seem to have started to resurge yet. Um, <laughs> dream start. I mean, intercept try, under the sticks, Henson converts. 
ready to go. But that's kind of where the good news ended. Benetton gets a try back through Zani. Then Tommaso Allen just keeps the scoreboard ticking over. And it's like having a Cooney in your locker. If, if you can keep getting those points. Like, that was it. Benetton kept the lead for the rest of that game and just kept Dragons behind. Another two tries after half time almost put it to bed. Like, the Dragons were actually lucky. Rodri Williams, who's joined the club this year, got one try. So it was an interesting enough last 10 minutes, but... Not the result that Jackman wanted, and he's taken a lot of heat from the fans. Well, the thing is, all the money that's been spent and all the players that have been brought in, mm. home, first week of the season, you have to be winning. And I said this. Against Italian opposition. I mean, say what you like. We, we accept that Benetton are a work in progress and they are improving. But, you know, you're not going to be targeting, oh, I'm going to win the first time four times the Irish provinces come. These are the games that Jackman has to have on his most win list. Like, sadly, like for Dragons, the most wins for them at home are going to be Benetton, Zebra, Cheetahs, Kings, Connacht and Edinburgh. They're the ones that the fans will be going, we can win those ones. Yeah. You know, and... And if they knock off one of the Welsh sides in the process, brilliant. But that's, you know, not really an expectation. No, it's a bonus, and this is not the start the fans will want. And this, I'm sorry, like I said this in the preview, this year will be a test of Jackman's coaching qualifications. Yeah, and I'll tell you, one team that looked really well coached out there on the pitch was Benetton, because it would have been really easy, away from home, first game of the season, to panic. And they didn't. They just sat back in a really composed fashion and ground out that win, which is good to see, because that's kind of been the hallmark of not Italian teams for the last while, is that inability to just lock out the win. So that was great. Yeah, but like at the same time, two out of five from the tee. That's pretty shocking. Some of them were, you know, touchline conversions, but you, you still want a better outcome than that. You want that to be three out of five if there's touchlines involved. You know, yeah. you just need one of them to go over. Get it over half, because then it would have been over earlier than it was. And if they put Dragons to bed earlier, that scoreline would have been different. Absolutely. Um, in terms of like weaknesses or improvement points for the dragons, everything, everything. Okay, <laughs> this is like be better across the pitch. Literally every week, try and improve all of your everything by five percent. <laughs> um, and if the question of what happens after we hit a hundred is asked by anybody, then you're not watching the same team I am. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to our second row, top performer and clowned around, and you've picked our top performer. I have. So there was a couple of candidates from some of the Irish performances, but for me, George North has to get top performer, particularly given that he got robbed of the man of the match in that game. Pretty much the only player who really stood out of the liberty, but getting two tries on your debut uh, for your club on the return to Wales is good value. And the guy is just box office. He really is. He looks happy. He's playing with a smile on his face again. And after the torrid time that he had in Northampton, I'm just delighted. I think a note should go across to all players in the Pro 14. Don't go to England. No one goes over there and is happy. Everyone comes back happier. Yep. I welcome the return of the man who once wore Israel Folau as a rucksack. <laughs> and what about you? You have our clown of the round and it's a humdinger. I have picked David Bulbring from the Scarlets and Ulster match. Top tip. <laughs> when you're winning with, you know, a minute left on the clock. Don't pull a player back off the ball directly in front of your post and cost your team the win. Oh, it was so vacant. And it's not even the one where, oh, he's going to get a try if I don't do this. It was so unnecessary. There was two or three covering players and he just grabs, like, it was literally like that comedy thing where somebody, like, gets shepherds crooked from the side. John Cooney is running the perfect support line and just gets yoinked. 
backwards. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, lesson, don't do that next week. Don't do it ever, you melt. True. So the new feature of our slightly longer weekly podcast is a quick chat about next week's fixtures. And what we're also going to do is our second row one to watch. Rather than trying to guess the team a week in advance, we're going to talk about what <laughs> yours and my and a standout fixture is for the round. Yeah. So as always, we're going to go in game order. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to start with Munster's trip to Glasgow at 25 to 8 next Friday. And like the early shot to see who's in the driving seat in Conference A. Yeah, definitely. I see a really fun, niggly game. The, like, There's genuinely good contest between these two. Given what I've seen this week, if Munster's pack can get on top, I'd favour them. Yeah, and Even, Tauze could come back in the back line as well, which would be cool. With an extra bit of beef there, that would really, really help, but... I I'm not gonna. We're not gonna call winners and losers because no. I think we're smarter than that. I'm gonna get killed. <laughs> yeah. um, kicking off at the same time, then Ulster against Edinburgh, and this is a game that Ulster haven't got out of jail will want to win. But this is a match for third place credentials. Mm. Um, Ulster at home again. Nordy Murphy and Herring back into the team. By the looks of things, it should be a really interesting game. It might not be the best game of rugby we would ever watch. But there's a lot at stake in this match. Yeah. Genius bit of scheduling putting them on at the same time. Oh, seriously. I think Clown the Round should start going towards the Pro 14 and scheduling at some point. (laughs) I think it's going to (laughs) happen. True. And even more so when you think about the game in the 3pm slot on Saturday. The Mighty Dragons against the Southern Kings. Honestly. I know we've just given them a ton of crap. But (laughs) Dragons win this, right? Right? Well, I mean, this is this is less a, a shot to see who's in the driving seat. It's the early shot to see who's being dragged behind the detached back axle of Conference B. Look, it's the only match at three o'clock, and I know you don't actually give a crap. Not in the least. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so we'll move on. Somebody might watch it. I'll watch it, oh, if I can. <laughs> um, well, you'll definitely watch the next one. You're at the next one, aren't I'm you? I'm going back. To, I'm driving back to Galway to watch just win a match. Connacht against Zebra in the sports ground and it's bounce back time it has to be like you we can't lose bonus point Zebra top of the league Zebra coming to Connacht yeah I'd be worried Boric I the thing is I worry about every team that comes to the sports ground because I'm a pessimist (laughs) I'm a I'm a pessimist optimist everything's gonna be crap but it'll be okay in the end fair enough you know we should win um should. 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 Copeland might be back. I'd like to see him at eight starting. I want to see him on the city bin, sin bin couch thing. They've obviously got one that's big enough for him because he's going to be spending lots of time there. <laughs> the funny thing is, from the Glasgow match, a guy gets sin binned and sits on a plastic chair in front of it. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are doing it wrong. <laughs> um, then at half five, so kicking off about 15 minutes after that, is Ospreys against Cheetahs. And this is an easy shot for Ospreys to continue their good run of form at home. They actually haven't lost there since February, and even that was some AWLV Cup thing. Yeah, look, I think Ospreys are going to win this because Cheetahs don't seem to be travelling well. But they need to win it. Like, if they can build momentum, this season's going to get very interesting between the Welsh, Irish and Scottish teams. Um, then we've got the grudge match continues. Scarlets versus Leinster in the primetime slot on Saturday night. Yeah, as long as like some of the 15 injured players for Scarlets return. Yeah, I think John Davies is due to come back, which they really need. All right, that's one. And Josh van der Fleer came back, but he plays for Leinster. And Leinster with an actual seven will be a tricky prospect for Scarlets. It will. And the other tricky prospect kicking off at the same time is Benetton against Cardiff. Um, home game for Benetton. You'd like to think they'll win that. Yeah, like, once again, it's like, when you look across what's happened this week, mm. if Benetton's pack can get a semblance of control over the game, yeah, 
I can see them winning. Yes, I think the Cardiff backline is more dangerous. Yeah. But pack win games. Back to decide by how much. Exactly. But look, if Benetton do, imagine knocking two Welsh scalps over in the first week of the year. They will They will be in party mode. Yeah. Hopefully they don't release the Prosecco bonuses too early or they're not going to have a very good round three. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to our second row game to watch. I wonder who you've selected. Yeah, shockingly, I'm going for the Glasgow Munster game. I, I just think Glasgow having squeaked out the win in the west of Ireland are going to want to try and do the same thing. Munster haven't really been tested yet. When they were in pre-season, they came up wanting against Exeter. This, for me, will set the tone of the season for Munster. So it's important that they get a win. I know it's on the road, but I think Munster will hope that they do it. And I think it's going to be a cracking game. And you've cursed them. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Who are you going for? I've gone for Ulster-Edinburgh. Like, I know there are bigger games on that this weekend, like Scarlet Sensor, which you said. But Ulster-Edinburgh is a very interesting one for the conference. Hmm. It's an 8-10 to 10 pointer. It's effectively who wins this. You're talking about the third place team in that conference. Should be in the running order. Yeah, anyway. definitely. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss round two. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, SoundCloud, Acast, Stitcher and all podcast apps. And please do rate, like and subscribe to the podcast. We love hearing from you guys, so please get in touch on facebook.com slash the second row or on Instagram and Twitter, where we're at the second row. That's 2ND, not the word second. So until next time, everyone, goodbye and thanks again for listening. Take care.